Welcome to Public Affairs. I am Babs Wood, and joining me today is the Deputy Medical Director of New Orleans EMS, Dr. Megan Marino. She is a pediatric emergency medicine physician and the chairperson for the Louisiana EMS for Children Provider Education Subcommittee. She represents the American Academy of Pediatrics for the Governor's EMS Certification Committee for the state of Louisiana. She is the founder and course director of the Pediatric Pre-Hospital Educational Symposium that provides pediatric educational opportunities for pre-hospital providers in Louisiana. Dr. Marino has taught and created pediatric pre-hospital curricula for the Houston Fire Department and Texas Children's Hospital's simulation-based pediatric pre-hospital course. And I just have to say, she is a graduate of Ben Franklin, a proud Falcon, and Heinz Husky, so a true daughter of New Orleans, and we are lucky enough to have her working for us in our emergency medical services. Hi, Dr. Marino. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. I, I have to ask you, what drew you out of the four walls of the ER and into uh, the the ambulance services side of things? So really, my love for EMS started when I was in residency and uh, in Colorado. I realized that um, the care that we were providing in the ER was fantastic, but sometimes there were long transport times, and we recognized that the children were being cared for by um, awesome paramedics outside of the hospital, but a lot of them didn't have extensive access to pediatric training. Um, and so I wanted to find ways to improve the pediatric training that our paramedics um, received so that we could find ways to improve the care that kids were getting outside of the hospital and um, ultimately improve the outcomes that the kids had. And so through that experience, um, I decided that I just really loved this and wanted to make a career out of it. So when I went to Texas Children's, I continued to work with paramedics and EMTs in helping them get additional um, tr pediatric training and helped them learn how to take care of kids outside of the hospital. Wow. Um, that is, that's, that's incredible. I think it's amazing that you took all of these skills that you developed across the country and brought them back here to New Orleans. And what exactly is your, your job on a daily basis? I mean, it's a very impressive title, deputy med medical director. Uh, but what, what do you do for New Orleans EMS? So I do a lot of things. Um, one of the biggest focuses um, has been community outreach. So I've been trying to find ways to um, educate the community on how to care for patients prior to our arrival. And so there have been um, a number of initiatives. We've done some provider CPR classes and some Stop the Bleed classes um, to help uh, community members um, provide important emergency care to people in those critical minutes before uh, EMS arrives. And we've also done some provider wellness initiatives. So unfortunately, we do um, see a lot of our providers experience um, burnout. So that's the same for paramedics or physicians or nurses. Um, we all experience um, the toll that this takes on our hearts, caring for people who are having the worst day of their lives. And so we're there to care for them and 
and were there to save their lives. But that does have a huge emotional toll on the provider. And so I've been trying to take some steps to improve the um, the process for people to get help and also just allow them to have someone to talk to and recognize that this really does take um, take a toll on us and find ways to care for our providers and care for ourselves so that we can um, support our providers in being the very, very best human being that they can be. Wow. I think uh, if anybody needs to have a quality work environment, it is the people driving around on the streets, saving lives, and um, how amazing that the city of New Orleans is is working towards the, the wellness of, of those folks. Um, what is it like? What's a day in the life of, of an EMS worker like? I mean, are they just... They're running out there, picking up the folks off the street and drive. I mean, are they a taxi for hurt people? What is an EMS provider? So I think there is this mis- common misconception that paramedics and EMTs are just ambulance drivers. Um, but really, a paramedic and an EMT are expected to provide all of the same care that I would provide for someone in those first few minutes when they arrive in the emergency room. Um, so that means uh, managing their airway if they're not able to breathe, helping to breathe for them. That means that if their heart has stopped doing CPR and um, trying to restart their heart with either electricity or medicine or both, but um, paramedics do CPR and oftentimes will restart someone's heart before they arrive to the hospital. Um, They will do things like um, stop the bleed with either uh, tourniquets or um, direct pressure. They will give medicine, give life-saving medicine in those critical moments before they arrive to the hospital. So, you know, they do all of the things that a physician would do um, for these patients before arriving at the hospital. And it's really um, remarkable the dedication and the training um, that they have it's really lovely to see how they are able to save people's lives. And so we've been trying to educate the community and really let them um, understand how important these skilled providers are and how they really can um, save someone's life. So, you know, it's funny, our uniforms are very similar to the police uniforms. We wear dark blue and we have badges. And so I think a lot of people sometimes don't recognize the difference between the police officers and the EMS professionals on the scene but they really are um, saving lives and um, their bravery and dedication is, has been really inspiring. Wow. I, I can only uh, imagine the kind of person that would take it upon themselves to do a job like that. And yes, when you show up and you're ready to save a life, it's important that everybody knows, hey, we're just, we don't care why you got hurt. You're hurt and let's fix that. Um, and, and hopefully work conditions will improve uh, as things go on here in the city of New Orleans with these new community initiatives. Uh, You mentioned something as you were speaking, Stop the Bleed. One of your community outreach programs is you're going into schools and and you're teaching this Stop the Bleed initiative. Tell me about Stop the Bleed. So Stop the Bleed started as an outreach program. It was uh, initially started after the Sandy Hook shooting. Um, people realized that the um, that the people inside the school were the best equipped to help 
the injured students and teachers immediately after the shooting. And so a group of very impressive people put their minds together and said, let's teach a course for immediate responders. So those are the people maybe standing in the room with the injured person. And let's teach those immediate responders how to care for an injured patient to save their life in those first critical moments before um, EMS arrives. And so um, through that initiative, they developed a program. It's about an hour long course that um, teaches regular people how to save a life when someone has been shot or had any traumatic injury um, that is causing them to bleed. And it's been really incredible. You know, in um, 2018, New Orleans EMS taught over a thousand Stop the Bleed classes in an effort to provide the community with the resources they need to intervene in those few critical moments. And so Stop the Bleed really has a couple of parts. The first part is teaching people how to just hold direct pressure in a bleeding patient. Um, And then the second part is tourniquet application. So how to use a tourniquet to save someone's life who's um, bleeding out. Um, It's been uh, a really rewarding part of my job. We bring high school students to New Orleans EMS, high school students who are interested in healthcare, and we teach them Stop the Bleed and um, and CPR, bystander CPR classes. Um, we also just recently went to a local high school where we taught 65 high school teachers um, Stop the Bleed, which I think is something that I'd like to do more of. I think putting these these skills in the hands of the teachers who are going to be in the classrooms um, is so important because I I really do believe that this is how we can um, save lives. We've had, um, unfortunately, a lot of um, school shootings um, and, you know, those teachers and students are really our immediate responders and I'd like to give them the tools that they need to save people's lives. Admirable work. So we've heard about first responders here. That's the the ambulance folks, the fire folks, the police officers on the scene. And then there's immediate responders. Those are the people who are there before any any of the professionals arrive. And the New Orleans EMS is teaching people how to most adequately be immediate responders. Uh, Admirable work. Have you as you've gone out into the high schools, have you. these students who have been interested in healthcare, do you think, have you seen a glimmer of, of enjoyment in their eyes? Do they start to consider this EMS career? Have, do you think we have any, any up and coming EMS workers out there? Do you need a four year degree to do it? So you don't need a four year degree. Um, this is something that you can go to paramedic school. You can be trained to become a paramedic or an EMT. EMT. Um, We are hoping to recruit some of these high school students directly out of high school into EMT programs. There's even a high school program that allows you to complete your EMT certification while you're in high school. So you can um, graduate and essentially start working with a career in EMS upon graduation from a program like this. It's really remarkable. So many people in our community don't have the luxury after high school of going to a four-year college or 
um, going into an extensive training program that will require them to be without work. And so I think that programs like this are really incredible in that they do provide, um, you know, training and work experience very early on after graduation from high school. And um, I think that it's a wonderful way for young people who are interested in healthcare to um, get involved in a career in EMS. Um, I think of that, the last class that we did at New Orleans EMS, I think most of those kids were interested in EMS. And so I hope that we'll see them all at New Orleans EMS um, when they're ready to start looking for jobs. Well, so these these are programs. This, this is not some other city. You can you can study EMT training while you're in high school and then work towards. This is here in New Orleans. This is available to New Orleans high school students. Yes, here in New Orleans, there is a program um, that allows high school students to get an EMT certification uh, throughout their high school training. And so, shortly after graduation, they would be able to um, begin working as an EMT um, and be hired by an uh, an agency and. So, you know, I would encourage people who are interested in becoming a paramedic or an EMT to um, look into those programs. Um, but they're uh, they're pretty fantastic. I'm so proud that we have something like that in New Orleans. It's it sounds incredible. I, I have a lot of a uh, lot of buddies with master's degrees who uh, who who aren't having such a, a successful time in the job market and. <gasps> Unfortunately, it is difficult for us to find um, well-qualified EMTs and paramedics. And so if there are people out there who are interested in making EMS a career, um, really look into it. There are more jobs than there are um, qualified people. And so this is an area where we definitely need people. Okay, you've used a, a couple different words, and I don't quite understand the difference. One of them is EMT, and one is paramedic. What is the difference between an EMT and a paramedic? So a paramedic is basically someone who can give medicine, um, do procedures in the field to save someone's life on their way uh, before they leave to go to the hospital and on their way to the hospital. Like so open their airway with a scalpel or some other dramatic in, medical thing. In That's some a- instances, yes. So um, New Orleans EMS doesn't. Uh, our paramedics do not do that procedure, but some paramedics <laughs> do that procedure. Um, but our paramedics are very highly trained, and they do life-saving procedures and give life. Medicines every day. EMTs um, are have a lower level of training than paramedics, but they're also very highly skilled. They do um, airway maneuvers, and they use in our um, system assist the paramedic. So they are um, people who are uh, performing CPR. They are um, breathing for the patient. They are um, helping in other ways. Well, it sounds like assistant to the paramedic, the EMT is still a very important job. So you can start as an EMT and then work your way with more training uh, to paramedic if you so choose. Yes. And in our, uh, in many agencies, an EMT can function independently without a paramedic, providing um, just a different level of care than what the paramedic can provide. But they can provide um, airway, breathing, um, maneuvers and also a CPR. They can um, give um, the patient uh, life-saving uh, measures without medication. Um, 
in order to uh, get that patient to the hospital safely. Well, fantastic. Um, okay, moving on, keeping an eye on time here. I know that I've heard about something else uh, recently in the news, and I'm wondering if you could tell me about it. I've heard of something called sobering centers that that's new is that a new orleans ems thing what, what, what's that about yes we are so grateful to have been able to partner with odyssey house um, the city of new orleans new orleans ems and the odyssey house have come together to create a sobering center in new orleans um, this is something that only exists in a few cities in the country um, and we are so grateful to be part of this initiative um, the sobering center is a place where people can safely go to sober up. Um, so oftentimes before the opening of the sobering center, people would be picked up by an ambulance. Let's say someone is too drunk at a bar um, or uh, has kind of like fallen asleep, maybe on the stoop outside of the bar. Um, so an ambulance is called and the paramedics come and they determine that the patient is drunk, that they don't really need anything else, but they are not safe to be out in the world by themselves. So in the old model, these patients were brought to the emergency room. And um, there at the emergency room, really as physicians, we would just maybe give them some IV fluids, um, watch them, give them a safe place in a bed, um, and watch them sober up. We'd give them a sandwich and something to drink. When they're awake and alert, we would let them go home. And um, we wouldn't give them any resources on rehab or give them any information about an AA meeting. We wouldn't um, plug them in with a social worker. We would just send them back out into the world. And, you know, oftentimes later that day or a week later, they would end up right back in the emergency room. So we looked at this as a city and um, we're able to partner with Odyssey House, which is um, a really wonderful um, place that offers support to people with addiction. And um, they were able to help us develop this sobering center. And so the sobering center is a place where people can um, go and sober up and they're, they're given something to eat, something to drink, a cup of coffee, uh, a cot to sleep in. And um, as they're leaving, they are offered support services with um, access to rehab facilities and um, social work and um information about AA meetings. And so while we recognize that not every patient that goes to the sobering center will be ready to make a change, it does allow the option for people who are ready to make the change to get that additional information and that additional support. So the way it works right now is if either the police or EMS is called to someone who is intoxicated with alcohol, they will go through a series, like a checklist of questions to say, does it look like this person has been injured or does it look like they've ingested anything other than alcohol? Do we think that they need any services that only an emergency room can provide? And if they determine after going through this checklist that this, that at the sobering center would be a safe and appropriate choice for this patient, they will bring that patient to the sobering center. Now, what's really wonderful is that at this time, 
the patient will not get a bill for the ambulance and will not get a bill from the sobering center. These are the city of New Orleans is donating the ambulance time, so there will be no bill um, sent to the patient for that ambulance ride to the sobering center. And the sobering center is also completely free and does not um, send a bill to the patient. Unlike going to the emergency room, if those patients are brought to the emergency room, they get an ambulance bill and an emergency room bill, which can be quite difficult um, for patients later on. I think the financial implications of hospital bills um, can be very, very hard for, for our patients. So it's been so wonderful to see the implementation of this. You know, it's only been just a couple of months since we opened, but we've been really really grateful for this opportunity and we think it's a service that can really benefit the people of the city of new orleans um i think it will also hopefully have a lot of really wonderful downstream effects as well um, by offloading these patients um, off of like taking that burden off of the emergency room that can allow a little bit more space, especially during the winter months when we have a lot of flu and a lot of very sick people in the emergency room. Um, if we're able to take those patients who don't really need emergency room services and put them in a place that's better suited for their needs, that can allow the emergency rooms to have a little bit more um, space to care for their sick and injured patients. Well, I can imagine. I mean, nobody wants to wants to end up uh, in the sobering center, but I guess I would rather be there than the ER with the the bills and then the shame of keeping an ER bed uh, from someone who really needs it because I could not hang on to to my alcohol. So uh, kudos to New Orleans, and I assume that this is for anybody. Is it is it just for is it for Tourists only? Is it for uh, homeless people only? Who is the Sobering Center for? The Sobering Center is for anyone located in Orleans Parish. So anyone whose physical in, any, intoxicated body is in New Orleans. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> if you are, um, you know, from New York and you're here and you just had too much to drink and you end up on um, on the curb, we're happy to pick you up and uh, treat you to our hospitality at our sobering center. If you are, um, you know, one of our, uh, we have a number of residents who live in New Orleans without homes. Um, and so if you are one, someone in that population, we are happy to take care of you uh, in the sobering center as well. Um, if you are someone with a chronic alcohol problem, if you are someone who just uh, went to a, a bachelorette party, we are happy to take care of everyone there. Um, and it, it doesn't matter where you're from. We, uh, we will care for you. Wow. It really seems like uh, things that are happening in the city of New Orleans, there's a lot of progressive policies that are that are going on. This seems right in line with that. Uh, another thing that has been in the news in terms of emergency medical services lately, Narcan. I keep hearing about Narcan. Um, is this is a it's a it's a drug that emergency providers are using for overdose victims. That's correct. So we, um, if someone has an overdose of a narcotic medicine, so that would be either heroin or fentanyl or um, 
oxycodone or Vicodin. Um, so if someone has an overdose of one of these medicines, it can affect their breathing and cause them to stop breathing. And um, naloxone, which is a um, also known as the drug Narcan, um, that medicine can be given up the nose as just a little spray up the nose and can bring these people who have had drug overdoses, it can really bring them back to life. And so there has been a community initiative to make sure that police officers and paramedics um, have access to this medicine, but also there's been a push to make sure that people in the community have access to this medicine as well. So if you or a loved one has a problem with addiction to opiates, we would encourage you to get uh, access to naloxone or Narcan, which is sold over the counter at Walgreens or any CVS, uh, Walmart, at any um, at any organization that any pharmacy, and um, we would encourage you to go and buy one of those um, medicines so that you can have it on hand when it. Um, when someone or if someone should overdose. And so this medicine is very easy to use. You just uh, tilt the head back and spray it up the nose and it can bring someone back to life in just seconds. Um, being able to have access to something like this is so important. And so we really encourage people to just have it on hand. Um, I have it just inside my door at my house um, just in case someone needs it. Always planning ahead, always thinking um, what an impressive uh, role model you are for everyone here in New Orleans. And we're so honored to speak with you. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I wanted to ask you. Yes, I did. I wanted to ask you about um, calling the ambulance. Is the ambulance always going to come? Are they going to get there first? What happens if I have an emergency? How long will it take the ambulance to get there? Should I consider driving myself? What, what's going on? So if you have a life-threatening emergency, we encourage you to call 911 right away. Um, the people who answer the phones at 911 have two jobs. The first is to dispatch the ambulance to send them to you right away. But also, they can help direct you in providing life-saving maneuvers in those critical moments before the ambulance arrives. So please, if you're worried about someone, call 911 right away and allow the specialists on the phone to help direct you in providing the care that that person needs. So they, if you have someone who has collapsed right in front of you, the 911 operator will instruct you in how to provide CPR right there. Even if you've never taken a CPR class, they can help you. Okay, well noted. Calling 911, super important. If, if an ambulance takes 10 minutes to get there, is there anyone that is going to be able to arrive sooner after I call 911? So, um, or do I just wait for the ambulance and, and do what the 911 operator tells me? So definitely call 911, listen to the instructions of the 911 operator. Our Fire trucks often will respond faster than our EMS providers, and that's because our fire stations are uh, located around the city to make sure that their response times are very quick. So oftentimes our firefighters will respond, and they 
also can provide life-saving maneuvers um, and help keep someone alive and intervene in those critical few moments before the ambulance arrives. Um, if you are standing in front of the emergency room or right across the street or just, you know, a block away and you think you can make it there safely, then that's wonderful. But just know that if you need an ambulance, um, please call 911 and, and we're here for you. Excellent. 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 Uh, so I, I wanted to circle back because I was, I always wondered, because sometimes you see the firefighters and, and it doesn't look like there's a fire, but it does look like someone is hurt or injured. And I was always wondering, like, what are they doing there? Um, and um, I heard somewhere that our fighters, our firefighters specifically uh, have been, uh, all of our stations have a machine, don't they, to help them with the uh, CPR? Yes. So there's something called a Lucas device, which is a CPR machine. It does CPR for you. It does the chest compressions for you. Um, and so the city of New Orleans is really unique in that um, this is one of the only places that every fire truck has one of those CPR machines. And so even before our paramedics arrive, oftentimes the fire truck has attached the Lucas device and has a uh, very high quality CPR in progress through the CPR machine before our paramedics have arrived. It's uh, a unique program, and I don't know that there are very many other programs like that in the country. Once again, it's it's wonderful to hear something uh, that we can be proud of here in New Orleans, to hear that we're on the cutting edge of, of this medical technology. Our fire department's more equipped than most of the fire departments in this country to deal with uh, CPR, because we have these Lucas devices. Thank you, City of New Orleans. And is there, I, I think we've, we've really, I feel like I have a, a better understanding of what the New Orleans Emergency Medical Services do. Um, I'm really excited to help share their, their actual status as street medical providers, not taxi drivers, uh, to the people of New Orleans. And uh, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.